it's our first, I think, rainy Sunday since we've been back. Can you believe that? Um, so uh, it's uh, been a good run, and uh, hopefully you brought your umbrellas for afterwards if you want to talk, because you have to talk outside. Um, but uh, thank you for coming today. It's really good to see you, and I hope you're looking forward to another uh, time where we can come together and worship uh, our Lord, uh, our God and our Father. So I hope you're looking forward to it this morning. Just a few announcements, um, just as we kick off. Firstly, thank you again. I say this every week, but I'm going to continue to say it. Thank you for keeping the level of compliance regarding the rules of the church with wearing masks and thing, things like that up. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for continuing to wear masks as we keep each other safe and as we continue to uh, do ministry within this church and continue to roll out ministries that we have done in the past, as I'll talk about in a few minutes as well. So thank you, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, it means that we can do what we're doing uh, going forward as the virus continues to spread around us. If you need to use the toilets, first half of both hall and church out through these doors and use these ones, please. And the back halves, please use the toilets at the back of the hall, at the back of the church, sorry, if you are here for the first time. Uh, we want you to know that's how things are going to be used today. If you need to make an exit with your kids, although we love having your kids in the service, even if they're making noise, we don't worry about that. Please feel relaxed here. Then just please use uh, the room just off the hall and make your way through the door here. And you can have four adults in there with the kids as well. Um, just a quick one uh, as well regarding uh, our communion cups. Those who have, are going to be taking communion today, um, if you've got this on the way in, and maybe it's your first time here, Please just be aware that there are two little flaps on your communion cup. The top one is to take uh, off to use the bread, to eat the bread, and the other one is the bigger one to uh, allow you to access the, the, the uh, wine underneath. So just a heads up with that as well if you are taking that. Please keep these, and then on the way out you'll have a black bag, and you can put them in the black bag on your way out. So that's how we're going to use the communion cups. And that will happen at the end of our service, and there will be no break. We will go straight into that after the song. And so uh, please just remain in your seats. If you're not taking communion, don't feel awkward. Uh, please uh, feel very much at home and just uh, uh, remain in your seats as we, those who are taking communion today, uh, enjoy worshipping God and giving thanks for his son and what he's done for us on the cross. So please just remain with us. Prayer meeting this week, 8 o'clock Wednesday night. That's, that's me again, so we will continue. Uh, probably another study in Acts uh, this week again. So please, if you can, join us there and we will pray together for all the needs of our church and uh, all that is going on around us. Um, can I uh, say also next Sunday we'll be finishing our Ephesians series uh, and I'll be on morning and evening. And so please join us next weekend if you can, please. Um, and we'll be doing that next Sunday. <clears throat> for those who are here in KBC Kids on Friday, I hope you had a good time. Um, there was a good number out, and I hope you had a good first night back. Um, well, it was KBC Kids, so it's all new, isn't it? But it's a first night back in the church with the kids, so I hope you enjoyed that. Can I just uh, say on behalf of the leaders, they've asked me to say that everyone should have, have received uh, their pack. I think maybe had that delivered to your house um, with a Go Teach workbook in it. And I suppose this is more for you parents. Uh, in those books, they will be working through the lessons, and they'll be doing... Uh, one every time they meet, but we're only meeting first and third in the month. So they're going to work through doing every other talk in the book, every other story. So your challenge, your, uh, we want to encourage you as parents to do the one in between. So if we've done one and then we're going to do three, you need to go home and do two with your kids next week or this week. So please do that so they can keep up the work in the books. And that would be a great way, wouldn't it, for you to establish maybe or continue in your family worship at home so please do that another announcement is that jam and affinity is back and um, we are uh, have been and gordy and the team have been working very hard at putting these things in place so that we can have this returning and this will return on saturday night the 10th of october from 7 to 9 15 this is for jam okay so this is for jam age again we're going to be doing second and fourth with Jam and Affinity. So second and fourth Saturdays in the month. And this coming Saturday is for Jam. And it will be a movie night. So uh, please come out for that. And we're going to have all the precautions in place. There will be treats provided safely. And everything has been worked out. So that's this Saturday night. For Infinity, you will be meeting on the 24th of October. So that's in a few weeks' time. 
and that's 7.30 to 10 p.m. Now, don't worry if you're thinking, I can't write all this information down. We will get this information to you. But we want you to know that this Saturday, jam uh, at 7 o'clock, and it's a movie night. Um, one other thing about that, please make sure that those kids who arrive at Jam and Affinity, please, if they would wear a mask, as they do in school. Thank you. Um, we want to congratulate Ben and Tori. I know Ben's here. Uh, this morning. So Ben, congratulations Tori uh, as well on your engagement. Uh, So let's congratulate them in the normal way here. uh, We're so excited for you guys and we we do pray that you'll know God's richest blessing as you plan uh, unusual days and, uh, and as you marry and enjoy married life together. I think that's all the announcements. I said there was a few but there were more than a few, so that's, that's the announcements uh, for this morning. Can we still our hearts as we come in uh, to worship this morning, please, as we pray together? Um, let's just pray for a few moments and uh, maybe a couple of moments of quietness as well as we, as we uh, still our hearts. Father, this morning we desire to be here with each other so that we may in our hearts and our minds worship you and so this morning our prayer is that all that we say and do will be pleasing to you Lord that you would be with us and that we would know very much your presence this morning as we worship you and so Father we ask that as we now even listen to this piece of music as we later open your word and read it together and as then we expose it and we listen to what it has to say to us may we be receptive in our hearts may we this morning have maybe removed the distractions of the week that we've had or even the morning we've had Lord may we come in with our eyes fixed on you with our hearts and our minds fixed on you that Christ in our minds and our lives will be magnified, that he would be elevated, that our hearts would be enlarged as we come in to worship this morning. And so bless us, we come humbly before you. And we ask that you would be pleased with all that goes on here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to listen to this first uh, song together. I'm hoping it's going to work for us this morning. I know we had a few technical issues and sometimes it's against us, but we're going to uh, hopefully listen to Holy Spirit, living breath of God. So uh, we'll give Chris. Uh, and so I think what we can do now, and it's not all we can do, but probably the best thing we can do is open God's word. So let's do that together. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 17 to 20. We'll read this and then we'll take some time to pray. Ephesians 6, 17 to 20. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Father, we come in... This act of worship, as we've just read, that we would come and we would pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And so, Father, this morning we come to you, a holy God, a God who knows all and is in all and is through all. We come to a God who loves us so much that he gave his only Son. You gave us Christ and he came and lived and he died on that cross and through his death and his resurrection we may have sins forgiven and we may have the power of a resurrection life. 
Father, we also thank you that through Christ and through his work on the cross, that anyone who has trusted in him and has faith in him, thank you that you promise that we also have a future hope. I hope that one day our body will be resurrected and we will spend eternity with you. And so, Father, we ask that you would just come and dwell amongst us, that you would help us as we put even what we're going to look at into practice. And so this morning we ask that, we would, uh, that you would hear our prayers for those whom we love within our families, maybe who do not know Christ in these days. We, uh, we are saddened, we are burdened that there are many uh, within our own circles who do not know Christ. We pray that you would give us opportunity each week, every day, maybe to speak into hearts and lives. Father, that you would use even what we're doing this morning to speak into lives that are here this morning who do not know you. Those who are listening online who maybe uh, do not know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. Lord, we do pray for our saints as we're uh, called to do here. Those Christian friends that we have and family. Lord, there is so much need, even within our own fellowship. We pray for those who maybe are struggling and had a bad week. Those who are maybe isolated in, in, in some way these days. We pray for those in our fellowship who are elderly, who are unable to be with us as they have done uh, for many, many years. And so, Lord, we do pray for, for Bill. We do pray for Willie Robert. We pray for Edie and Maddie and Noreen. Those who cannot meet with us, but in so many ways, they continue to fellowship with us as they pray for us and as we pray for them. I pray this morning that they would know your presence, that they would know your peace, they would know your help in every circumstance they face each day. Be with their families as, even in these very strange days, cannot be with them as they would like. pray that you would help them. Father, we do pray for those who maybe are in hospital in these days. pray for uh, Caroline Coote as she's in hospital these days. We pray that she would know your help and she would come back to a good measure of health and strength in, in the days to come and in the weeks to come. Although we pray for Ben and Tori too. Thank you for this wonderful news. We pray that they would know your help and presence as they plan for their future. Thank you for bringing them together. We ask that they would, uh, in all they do and all they plan and all they look forward to, that they would have you in the center of their marriage. That they would look to you and they would build their marriage on the foundation of your word and that they would be blessed by doing that. Father, we ask that as we come in this morning, as we uh, continue to work through the book of Ephesians, we thank you, first of all, for all that you've taught us and all that you're teaching us and how you're changing us and molding us and shaping us into the likeness of your son. And as we, over these next few weeks, close out this book, May it not be forgotten, but may we return to it regularly and study it in our own time that we may, uh, by your spirit, be taught by you and continually shaped for your glory. Lord, we do pray for uh, our children's work. We thank you for our children in this church, those who are here today. We pray that they would enjoy being here. Lord, we do ask that you would be with Gordy and the team as they uh, start up Jam and Infinity over the next few weeks. We pray that that would be a really important time where the youth of our church and those around our community can come in and enjoy time together and enjoy learning more about Jesus. Well, we thank you for KBC Kids and all that you uh, have helped us do as we've put that in place last week. We thank you for the teams who have worked so hard to make that happen. Thank you for the 30 or so kids who are here. We pray that what has been taught and what has been shared with them would, would settle in their hearts and they would, in their young years, if they do not know you, come to know Christ. That's our desire. So speak into those young lives, we pray. And go before us now as we continue in worship, as we study your word together, and as we look at it in detail now, we pray you would help us by your spirit and speak to us, we ask. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I'll just say thank you to those online. Um, I'm getting a message or two on our end. Um, and so I apologize if you had to listen to the first few verses of the hymn and then it cut off. But uh, that's just the way it's going today. So thank you for bearing with us online as well.
So Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, we've read that, and let's look at it together. And the first question I want to ask you this morning is, how is our armory looking so far? How is our armory looking so far? If you were with us last week, we opened the doors of the armory, didn't we? This place which held the equipment and the weapons needed to fight the battles that we face in our spiritual lives. We've looked at the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of uh, the peace of gospel, the gospel, the shield of faith, and we see that all in those preceding verses. But that leaves us with three more pieces to put on today. Three more pieces of armor that we need to put on. So let's dive straight in here with the fifth piece of armor. And uh, let's look at it. And it's the helmet of salvation. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Imagine with me for a moment, if you will, an ancient Roman military helmet. It is shining silver, and it is, uh, has strips of metal all over it. And there are strips that actually protect the forehead, and plates of metal that cover the cheeks, if you can imagine that. They come down either side. And then there's one that goes down the back of the neck. And when it is put on properly, and it is strapped in place... Little more than the eyes and the nose and the mouth can be seen. But even though I told you this, my question was how does this Pauline metaphor of a helmet relate to our spiritual lives and spiritual battles? How can we take this image of this helmet, hopefully you've got that in your mind, and apply that to the spiritual battles we face? Well, this is, as we've read in verse 17, the helmet of salvation. So what Paul is reminding the Ephesian church is that whatever comes, whatever battles you face, both independently or here, corporately, you face them with the full assurance of your salvation. You face them with the full assurance of your salvation. Therefore, we could say that the helmet is the thing that brings us in our daily walk In our battles, it brings us confidence. Confidence. Our salvation, if we think about our salvation, those of us who know and love and live for Christ, we are sealed. We have a sure salvation. A salvation that is unmovable. And so that allows us to keep standing, doesn't it? No matter what's coming at us, it allows us to keep standing in the middle of our wars, our battles with the evil one. Well, think of the Roman soldier. He, with his helmet on, could stand, couldn't he? Even with hundreds and thousands of flaming arrows that were falling upon his head. He could stand with confidence. Because he had his helmet on. He could continue to fight the battle that was in front of him. He could continue to advance forward. Because of the helmet. And so it is with our salvation. Those of us who know Christ have a confidence. Our hope that supersedes anything that we can conjure up in and of ourselves. And it allows us to continue to battle in our personal wars. Knowing that we have Christ on our side. Even that, as I say that, we have Christ on our side should give you great confidence in your spiritual walk as you face your spiritual battles. And by me me saying that we have Christ on our side means that our eternity is secure, as I've prayed already today. And not only do we have peace with God, but we have the peace of God, as we saw last week. Philippians 1 and 6 actually says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He has begun a good work. He will continue and he will complete that good work in you. Well then, what should these biblical truths look like in our lives? We can talk all day, can't we, about this helmet of truth and and the wonderful confidence that we have in Christ and that is so important. 
But what does that look like in our lives? What does it look like when you step out of here today and you put on maybe or you uh, continue to wear your helmet of salvation? Well, first of all, let me say this. It means that we're on the victory side. It means that we're on the victory side. It means that we don't have to be frightened anymore. The last few weeks we've seen clearly, haven't we? I hope anyway. That we have a fierce enemy. A fierce enemy. And he and his servants, they prowl around like lions looking to devour someone. Well, that's a frightening thing for many people. And it should in some ways frighten the Christian. But we should have a confidence. We shouldn't necessarily be frightened. Because... Christ is on our side. We are on the victory side. See, the Christian's posture on Monday morning doesn't need to be defeatist. It can be optimist instead. It can be a posture of victory as we step out each day. Not because of what you've done or how good a week you've had, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. See, he's defeated sin and has promised that the evil one will be crushed. That's what he said, didn't he? Back in Genesis, right back in the beginning of the Bible, he said just that. That was what he prophesied would happen. And so we stand now each day with a posture of victory because the general of our army, as I've said a few weeks ago, the general of our army is Christ. And he has already won. Well, are you fearful and lacking confidence in your spiritual battle? Are you struggling with that today? Well, then reach for the helmet. The helmet of salvation. Pull it down tight over your ears. Fasten the straps and stand tall. Because when you do this, when you stand in the confidence of your salvation, you don't only put on a helmet, you put on Christ. And with him, nothing can cut you down. You are a victor with Jesus. And so that is why we must put on the helmet of salvation. The sixth thing in our armory is the sword of the Spirit. To look at this this morning. Verse 17 says, And the sword of the Spirit. Probably better adding the second word in verse 17. Take. Take the sword of the Spirit. I hope we realize that up until now, in our sermon series, or actually in our last three weeks, we have armed ourselves with equipment that is all defensive. It's all been defensive. But now, in the second half of verse 17, the Apostle Paul calls us to equip ourselves with a weapon that is primarily offensive. Now, it can be used for defense, we know that. But it's primarily offensive. See, this sword, again, uh, would have been double-edged. It would have been the short sword that I talked about maybe last week. And it would have been really effective in hand-to-hand combat. And remember that we are in a hand-to-hand, foot-to-foot, breath-to-breath combat with with the devil. And so it couldn't be clearer here, actually, between the metaphor, this Pauline metaphor, Paul's metaphor, of the sword and how it refers to our battle. You see, the sword, the sword says here, verse 17, is the word of God. It's this very thing that we hold in our hands today. And so Paul urges the church to take the word of God, to take the word of God. Well, how do we do that? How do we fight with the word of God? Well, let me give you a true story that I read this week. Oliver Cromwell, you may know that name. You may know more about him than I do. But Oliver Cromwell's soldiers who fought with a sword, they also, at the same time as fighting with a sword, fought with the Bible in their other hand. That's a true story. So they had a sword in one hand, And a Bible in another. Now, as loyal as and as pious as that is, that isn't, I don't think, what the Bible is asking of us. That's not what Paul is saying here. 
Think back to the account of Jesus in the wilderness for a minute. I've mentioned this a few times. See, while Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil himself. Satan came strong with an offensive attack three times. But how did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond to an offensive attack from the devil? Well, he also came with an offensive attack. And it was the word of God. He used quotations from scripture to fight his battles. Deuteronomy 8 and 3, 6 and 16, 6 and 13. They are the scriptures that he used to fight off the enemy. See, Jesus is the greatest and perfect example of how we should fight our battles because he is the divine warrior. He is the master swordsman. And Jesus' final thrust in the wilderness with this sharp double-edged sword called the word of God sent the devil scurrying. And if we believe this, if we believe that Jesus went into the wilderness and he used God's word and he defeated the enemy. How much more do we need to establish the same tactics in our lives as we learn to wield the sword at our adversary? If Jesus needed to do it, there is no one in this room, no one on this Earth, who can argue against the need to know and to use God's word in our battles? Deuteronomy 32, 46 to 47. You don't need to turn there, but if you're making notes, you can write that down. Deuteronomy 32, 46, 47 says this. Take to heart all the words which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children... That you may be careful to do all the words of this law. And then in Psalm 119.11 says this. I have stored up your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Why do we read these verses of scripture here? Well because God's word reveals God's mind. And God's mind cannot be corrupted by sin. Therefore if we fill our minds and our hearts with God's word. That when temptation comes. We can fight that battle. We can fight the schemes of the evil one. And he cannot, the evil one, dominate us. If we know our weapon well, and I'm talking about the Bible, if we know it well, if we are so familiar with it, then it literally draws blood out of Satan himself. It defeats, it kills off his attacks in our life. The very words of scripture, if we know them, just as Christ knew them and spoke them in front of Satan himself. 1 John 2.14 says this, I write to you young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Do you see it? The word of God abides in you. You have overcome the evil one. I don't think it's complicated. I think it's pretty simple. God's word is the sword that we need in our battles. And sometimes we forget how powerful God's word is. Particularly in offensive moves. The writer of Hebrews says that the word of God slices through human spirit. Like a hot knife through butter. But the sad reality that maybe we don't know how powerful God's word is. That sad reality with many Christians today is actually an irony. How is it an irony? Well, because at one time, the very word that they now don't believe has any power. It once opened them up. It once exposed their heart. It once transformed their life. It once transformed your life. And for us to sit years down the line and say, 
Mm. Not convinced. Is an irony. It's a contradiction. Because God's word, it opens up our hearts. It transforms our life. It gives us a terrible wound, yeah. But it brings wonderful transformation. And so we need to take it. We need to know it. We need to use it. And that's the command that Paul is telling us today. Well then, how do we take it up? How do we take it up? How do we take up this word? Let me give you five quick practical tips. Five quick practical tips. Firstly, read it. It's not difficult. Read it. Read the word of God. Sounds stupidly simple, but how many of us live the Christian life without opening the word of God each day? How many of us go to war without a sword? I'm being serious here this morning. We are in a battle. We have a sword accessible to us. But we go to war without a sword. Would you dare go into any front line? If you were in the army, if you were called today to go, would you dare go and walk to that front line without some weapon of offense, like a sword? You would be mad to do that. Even if you were to dress up in all the other parts of the armor that we have looked at previous. You would be mad to still step out onto that front line without something that could slay the enemy. But how often we do that? Maybe you did that this morning. Maybe you're counting this, and it is in some way, as part of your Sunday putting on of the armor. Yeah, I appreciate that. But what about tomorrow when there isn't a church, when there is no service? You can open God's word in the morning and prepare yourself for battle in the day because if you're not ready, he is ready. The enemy. And he will take you down. So let's remind ourselves that we are not in any ordinary battle. We are not in any ordinary earthly battle. We are in the most intensive, most brutal, most bloody, most destructive, everyday battle with a ruler of this world named Satan. So read it. Constantly remind yourself of it. I'm sure all of us would struggle to remember if, if I was to ask you to remember the details of Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm talking about six months ago that we looked at that. But I bet you could not give me the details of Ephesians 1. You might be able to give me the gist of it, but you may not be able to give me the, the grit and the dirt and the gold that you find in it. It's because we forget. We are humans and we forget. And so remind yourself daily that we need reminded. We need to read our Bible. We need to find a reading plan. We need to... Find an accountability partner. We need to read five pages of the Bible a day and you'll get through it in a year. Secondly, quick tip, meditate on it. Don't just read it, but meditate on it. What do I mean by when I, when I say meditate? Well, I mean a special carved out period of the day where you can go, hopefully maybe in quiet, quietness, and focus on each word and phrase and conjunction and you will be blessed by doing that. Write down questions, look for the answers, go deep into God's word and listen to the Lord as he by his Holy Spirit teaches you and changes you. Hudson Taylor, I've used a few illustrations of Hudson Taylor in my time here in the Connie. He's the founder of the China Inland Mission and he was known to conquer immense spiritual hardships by daily meditating on God's word. Let me tell you a story. Hudson Taylor would have found himself in all sorts of changing and challenging uh, situations in his life as he travelled across the world and as he was in China as well. He would have gone with uh, travellers, those who would have gone with him. And those travellers actually have reported that looking on into Taylor's life, he would have found himself during the day very hard struck to find some time to read God's word. But at night, between the hours of 2am and 4am, when everyone was asleep, they would have heard in, in that room, which would have been maybe an open room like this, divided up by sheets, so they could go into their little compartments in the room. They would have heard a strike of a match. And then they would have seen the flickering of a candle. And they peered around the side of the, the sheet. And there he was, Bible in each hand, pouring over God's word and praying. <laughs> 
Because he knew that was how he was going to fight his battles. See, meditation brings victory in our war, but far too many of us pay the price of defeat because our devotion to the word is poor or non-existent. Thirdly, memorize it. Now, I don't stand here as someone who has a memorization of God's word mastered, not by any means. But I am challenged today that this is something we should continue to do in every stage of our Christian walk. Not just as kids, we tell and teach our kids to memorize Bible verses, and that's brilliant. But we should do it as teenagers, as adults, in our marriages, with our kids. Everyday lives should include memorization of the word. Dr. Barnhouse, again, another name I've mentioned before, an American pastor, preacher, and author. He was once there, and a man asked him how long it took him to preach a sermon in Philippians. Must have been that good. The guy came to him and said, how long did that take you to prepare? Do you know what he said? 30 years and 30 minutes. See, when he was the age of 15, he began memorizing Philippians. Every verse through the years until he could say it off by heart from beginning to end. It took him 30 years and 30 minutes to prepare a sermon because he wanted to memorize the text. He says he felt it's not enough to know it mechanically or habitually, but by heart. So let's not move uh, away from this idea of memorizing, memorizing this text that we have, this sword that we know. Okay, let's move on to our last piece of armor. Time is moving on quick. And this piece that we're going to look at now, piece of armor, is ultimate. It's a piece that we cannot do without we may as well not wear all the previous pieces, although what I've said about the sword already, you could forget about the sword. You forget about all the other pieces of armor if we don't have this. Verse 18 to 20, and it's this, prayer. Prayer. Regardless how you wear truth and righteousness, faith and salvation, the, the salvation regardless how you, well-grounded you are in peace or regardless how well you know or wield the word of God, in your battles, we must make prayer a priority because the Christian fights their battles on their knees. Here's five quick aspects of prayer that we need to know, and they come straight out of the text. First one says, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Look at verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. How do we pray in the Spirit? Well, our principal text, isn't it, eight, is Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So in some mysterious way, when we pray, the Spirit prays. When we pray, the Spirit prays. He prays for us and he prays with us. He infuses our prayers. And so that we can pray at all times in the Spirit, as we've read here. Well, two other things about praying in the Spirit. Firstly, I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit assists us and inspires us, those whom should be praying for. I'm not saying that we ditch the prayer lists that we have. But... We should be open to the leading of the Spirit, to leaders and assisters as we pray and what to pray for. See, the Spirit provides an energy, doesn't he? I don't know if you know this. He provides an energy for the person who's praying. But I want to say something this morning from personal experience as well. I think he provides and he empowers, especially those who are experiencing a tired or infirm body. The Spirit elevates the depressed to pray with power and conviction. And what I say this, well, a few years ago I had the privilege of sitting with Sarah's great aunt on a semi-regular basis to talk and to pray and to read. and That was a great privilege. She had Alzheimer's. Each time I visited, she had deteriorated. However, every time I read, and especially when I prayed, Auntie Jean, even when she was unconscious of my physical presence at the end, and with her eyes 
fixed, closed. She would give some incredible response. Sometimes joining me as I read a familiar passage from God's word. Maybe it was a simple amen at the end of the prayer. And on one of the last evenings of her earthly life, we sat in a room with her family. And as I read, she opened her eyes for the last time. Something the Spirit does as we pray and as we open God's Word. Pray continually, that's what it says here, pray continually. Praying at all times. Paul says here in, in Ephesians 6, but also in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing. How? How is it possible to do this? We can't physically have a continual verbal dialogue with our lives in business and work, and it's impossible to have that continual verbal dialogue. However, prayer is not so much the articulation of words, although that's important. It's more the posture of our hearts. John Wesley, an English theologian and evangelist, said this, His heart is ever lifted up to God at all times in all places. In this he is never hindered, much less interrupted by any person or anything. And we're talking about prayer here. In retirement or company, in leisure, business, conversation, his heart is ever with God. Whether he lie down or rise up, God is in all of his thoughts. He walk with God continually, having the loving eye of his mind still fixed upon him. And everywhere, seeing him that is invisible. We can pray continually if we have our heart and our mind and we take everything in our, world, in, our, in our own world that we live in, our work and we can have this wonderful prayer life as we position our hearts before God well thirdly then pray diversely or variedly it says here all prayers what does all prayers mean? well I take this to mean that our prayer lives are to be varied Maybe your prayer life is stale. That's easy, ha- easy happens. Well, here's a, a tip for you. What better way to make our prayer lives vary than to pray continually as we go about our varied schedules? Is your schedule varied? I would guess so. I would guess your life is very varied. And actually, why don't you use those varied schedules that we have in our lives and pray into each and every moment of them, each and every day, and then your prayer life will be varied. Fourthly, pray persistently. It says here, doesn't it? Pray, persistence is what is needed. Well, persistence and continuance are different things. See, a man I look to for a persistent prayer in my life is my grandfather. I know that as I stand here this afternoon, that he has already been ahead of me 500 miles away in his office praying praying for all of his grandkids praying for all of his family and all of their needs for this very day his persistence in prayer is a great encouragement and it's a great challenge to me my grandmother warned someone once that if they were to ask Stan that's my grandfather if they were to ask him to pray for something specific to make sure that that's what they really desired from the Lord Be careful. That's what she said. This is what you really desire. Why? Because he would just continue to labor in prayer over that thing until there was an answer. Now, my grandfather doesn't have any special supernatural ability in prayer and God has not given him some special treatment in his perseverance or for his perseverance. However, I do believe God honors and delights in a saint or the saints who persevere in prayer. Well, fifthly and finally this morning, Pray interceding. Pray interceding. It says here, pray for all the saints. Pray for the saints. This means 
on behalf of someone else. This is what interceding means. It means we pray for each other. But these saints that Paul talks about in these verses here, in verse 18, making supplication for all the saints, that's the Christians. There are many things that are worth praying about and for, but believers are actually to have a large part of our prayers. Of course we're, we should be praying for those who are without Christ, but high on the list of our prayers should be our fellow Christians. Even Paul himself asks for prayer here, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But is there any wonder when we're in such a battle? If we've taken seriously the last two, three, four sermons about the war and the battles that we're in, is there any wonder that Paul encourages us to pray for each other because we are in this battle and we need prayer? Let me finish by painting a picture of Paul. I'm going to try my hardest to do this. He's aged. He's got weathered skin like leather. Gray, flowing hair, bowed legs from walking the Roman Empire, his life. Scar tissue covering his torso and back from the 195 lashes that he received in his ministry life. Can you see him? Now imagine him in well-worn armor. Well-worn armor. A worn belt that sits comfortably like an old horse's bridle and it holds everything in place. A breastplate of righteousness that is covered in lacerations from many sweeping enemy swords. His bowed legs stand firm in his worn battle boots of gospel peace. His shield has innumerable arrow holes on the other side which terrifies the enemy because those holes, they're proof of victory over every enemy attack. His dented helmet covers his gray hair and each dent proof of his confidence as he stands in the battle. The sword God's word. That which Paul was so familiar with. And was the ultimate offensive weapon in his armory. What an awesome figure Paul was, right? He was the complete warrior. Or was he? Look at verse 19 as we finish. And also for me. What? This is the Apostle Paul. And also for me. Pray for me. That the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What he is saying here is this. I cannot do this without your prayers. I fear that I may lose courage and fail under the stress. Pray that I will have courage to proclaim the gospel fearlessly. I need your prayers. So the Apostle Paul says. If the Apostle Paul needed the prayers of the saints to win his spiritual battles, how much do we? How much more should we be interceding for each other as members of this church? Praying for each other's needs. And the only way we can do that is if we are honest with each other and open. If we can confide in one another. If we trusted each other that much. We share our heart with each other. We share our burdens and our battles even. Would you dare share the battle that you're in right now with the person who's sitting next to you? Why not? 
turn to them and say, look, I've been struggling with this. Why? Because then we can carry each other. And we can experience victory. So what more can I encourage you with at the end of this section than that, is, than that which is commanded to you already? Put on truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, fight with the sword, which is the word of God, and pray for each other. May God help us as we enter our armory each day and put on these seven pieces of armor that we may glorify him as we have the victory over our evil adversary. Let's pray. Father, help us to put the armor on. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to put the helmet on, to take the sword, and to pray diligently for each other as we fight battles, as we go against the evil one, so that we may give you the glory, that your word may pierce and disarm the enemy. And so help us with these very things. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I was going to ask, and then Christmas went like this at the back, so it's not working. But the last hymn that I would have played, and it was perfect for it, was, O Church, Arise, and Put Your Armour On. Hear the call of Christ, our Captain. If that isn't a fitting hymn from the last sermons we have looked at in the last passages, I don't know what is. Let's put our armour on. Let's go to battle with Christ's help. If you have Ephesians still open, I want to just show you a verse again that we've read um, as we look as we come to communion here. And it's Ephesians two, one to five. Ephesians two, one to five. And you, it's you and me. We were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. If these verses do not make you aware, firstly, if you do not know Christ, of your position before Christ, you are a child of wrath, you are, you are sitting in disobedience to God, then I don't know what will. But for those, who have, those of us who love and trust and have Christ as Savior and Lord, if we read these first couple of verses and we do not have great thanksgiving and appreciation and love for our Father who sent Christ so that in verse 4 he may say, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when he could have left us to our own devices, yet he called us and he made us like Christ. He gave us Christ's righteousness. He saved us by his grace. And through our faith in him, today we stand. And today we enjoy, right now, an opportunity yet again at this beginning of this week, this first day of the week, as we take this bread and we drink this cup, giving thanks for where he has taken us from and now where he has set us, which is in Christ Jesus. And so as we come in to give thanks and as we come in to eat 
this bread and drink the cup. May our hearts think upon these verses. May they think upon the things we have looked at today. And may our hearts be full of thankfulness. May we confess our sin this very day so that the devil does not get a foothold. May we do that in this very moment now as we still our hearts and go quiet for a moment. And then we'll eat and drink in remembrance of him. Let's do that now. Let's take a few moments of quietness. Father, you lifted us from Death Valley, from the place where we were lost and we were just full and going in the wrong direction, following our passions and desires. But God, but you in your rich mercy and your great love reached down and you saved us. So this morning we give thanks for your wonderful love and grace and mercy which was seen no clearer than through Christ on the cross. And so as we take this bread and as we eat it together it is an emblem only but a wonderful reminder of the broken body of Christ through which we now can sit we can stand knowing that we are in Christ we are on the summit with Christ and so we give you our thanks for Christ's broken body and we pray that you would be pleased as we take of it now cleanse us of our wrongdoing and our sin We will be pure in your sight as we take this bread which you have asked us to take. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's eat together in remembrance of Christ's broken body. Father now, Father, now we come and we give you thanks for this emblem, this cup, which reminds us of Christ's blood which flowed from his body. Again, a wonderful reminder that it was the blood of Christ that cleansed us from our unrighteousness and made us pure and right in your sight. Lord, we are undeserving of such blood, of such mercy and grace. But now we come and we give you thanks as we take of this cup, remembering all that Christ has done so that we may be set free, so that we may have a saviour, not only today, but forever, for eternity. And so we give you thanks now, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together in remembrance of him.
Let me close with another verse from Ephesians. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Please remain in your seats as we finish. Thank you. Sorry the day was a little different. Um, apologies for that. And for those watching online, thank you for bearing with us. And we pray you were blessed by joining us this morning. The deacons will lead you out one by one, by one row by row. So please remain in the building for now. And we'll see you later on. God bless. <clears throat>